Welcome to the I Still Call Australia Home podcast, your fortnightly dose of inspiration and joy sparked by the wild splendour of Australia. I'm your host, Felicia Rusher, founder of IStillCallAustraliaHome.com, an e-commerce store selling gifts that spark joy and delight while using Wild Australia as their theme. I'll be taking you on the road, sharing inspiring stories of amazing Australians who are creators of products and experiences using our land, native animals and wildlife as their muse. I hope you become as inspired as I am by their stories. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode where I talk to Oliver Parsons, co-founder of Peggy and Finn, about how his Victorian wedding focus business not only survived, but thrived during the global COVID pandemic. Welcome, Ollie, to the I Still Call Australia Home podcast. Great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Um, for those listeners who don't know you, can you introduce Peggy and Finn and tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Yeah, sure. So Peggy and Finn is a lifestyle accessories brand. So we focus on using original design prints from for our products, which are designed by Australian artists. So we have a range of products, ties, bow ties, pocket square, socks and underwear. And I'm the CEO and co-founder of Peggy and Finn. Fantastic. Um, how long have you been in business, Ollie? Yeah, so we started back in December 2014. So it's been about six years now. Um, yeah, so a little while. Cool. Um, and what made you decide to start the business? So, yeah, it started December 14 and, and me and my wife, actually, um, Steph, we got married back in March 2014 and and we were really struggling to find something for our wedding um, mm-hmm. for me to wear that sort of represented my style. So I didn't sort of like the traditional polka dot ties and bow ties. And yeah. after after traveling overseas the year prior, we saw some wooden bow ties and we thought that could be a cool idea for the wedding. So um, fortunately... Jared, my best man, who is very handy on the tools and he made a few up with Australian hardwood timber. So um, that's kind of where the, the business idea started from there and got some good feedback at the wedding and we thought, oh, maybe we could probably sell a few of these. So that's kind of where it started. Fantastic. And um, you still got those wooden bow ties in your range today? Yes, we do. We, we definitely do. Um, we have expanded. Obviously, a wooden bow tie is quite a niche market. So um, yes. our customers have told us that, yes, they do like the wooden bow ties, but it, but it isn't for everyone. So we have expanded our yeah. range to be a bit more inclusive. Hmm. Fantastic. And why the name Peggy and Finn? Where does that come from? Yeah, so it's a little bit of a long story, like I'm sure That's a lot okay. of people <laughs> But, um, yeah, we... I've always sort of wanted to start my own business and mm-hmm. my, my family sort of comes from a long range of um, self-employed businesses. So me and Jared were sort of having a, a chat a while back and we he just got back from Europe actually and he saw a lot of people on cruiser bicycles, like the 19 sort of 30s style bicycles. Oh, and yes. Yeah. And he thought, oh, why don't we just import a couple of those and um, start our own range and of bicycles and have a male and a female range. And, um, yeah, when we got the bicycles in, we're like, Oh, what's like a popular name in the 1930s. So I think we spent, Ah. I think we said a couple of hours one night, just going through the top 10 names of the 1930s for men and women. And we kind of found that name Peggy and Finn and we thought that that would work. But, uh, once we got the bicycle here and we, couldn't actually ride the bicycle because it was that terrible. We thought, <laughs> oh, maybe this is a little bit difficult. So yeah. 
Nothing's as easy as it seems, is it? <laughs> no, that's all right. So we, we kind of parked that idea and um, when this other business idea came up, we thought that name kind of suited it as well. Fantastic. Great. Well, thanks for that. Um, so what I know about Peggy and Finn, besides your fantastic products and anyone looking for lifestyle accessories, um, you know, it's the place to go. Um, but what I know specifically about your business, because we've known each other a while now, is how before pro- before COVID last year, um, your products were really popular with people about to have a wedding. Um, can you help us understand your sort of customer base before COVID and how who you sold to and what was appealing to them? Yeah, sure. I think, uh, like I said, when we started, we had wooden bow ties and then we started doing some cufflinks and tie bars and our customers were asking us, uh, you need to do a range of ties so that we can see what the tie bar looks like on our tie. So we kind of expanded down that path and mm. we really uh, wanted to create products that were complementary and we were focused really solely on um, that wedding market. So yeah, pre-COVID, like yeah, the majority of our, our sales and business were coming from weddings and events and things like that. Um, yeah, so we, we focus on having products that match. So we've got like your tie, pocket square and socks that have the same print, which we thought was something quite unique to the market and yeah, that was kind of our customer base pre-COVID. Makes a lot of sense. So um, do you remember where you were? What happened when um, COVID hit? You know, there's no weddings. Do you remember where, where you were when you got all the announcements of lockdowns and realising weddings were um, not a thing of the, you know, weddings weren't going to happen and were not allowed for some period? Yeah, I mean, the news was coming in pretty thick and fast. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was. I think when we first heard it, we were like, oh, this is sort of bad. And, you know, every day or pretty much every day that went by, we we're like, oh, this is kind of a little bit worse than we thought. But I think the point when it was announced um, that it was going to be, or it was a pandemic, was mm. where it really hit home that this was serious. And yeah. uh, for us, with those announcements that there was no weddings and we had customers getting married the next weekend ringing us up saying oh what do I do like can I return this stuff and things like that so it sort of hit home pretty quickly and yeah um yeah that was probably the point that we thought oh we've got to we've got to really hold on here and how long this is going to go for we weren't sure and like a lot of other businesses we we had to think of different ways that we could sort of pivot from that wedding business side of things that's that makes sense and I think for the listeners who don't know you are actually based in Victoria even though you're just outside of Melbourne you would have been impacted by all those lockdowns in Victoria particularly uh, that were yeah for sure I think like yeah. the first lockdown was probably a bit more Australia-wide but mm. um, that second lockdown being an hour and a half from Melbourne with a lot of stockists in Melbourne as well that had to close their doors um, yeah. Yeah, that, that really hit home how serious it was and um i think after we got after the first lockdown we thought that we might have been on the home straight but that that second lockdown definitely hit us in the face for sure Mm. and then how long did you think it was going to last when it first hit you yeah probably the the first sort of stage we're thinking 12 months um and then we're kind of like oh if if it's longer than 12 months this is gonna be really challenging for us to sort of survive i suppose so um that's kind of what we we sort of earmarked it a big 12 months, but um, yeah, it was one of those things that was a big unknown, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I know that you responded. Um, it's easy to look back in businesses in hindsight and say how well you did, but when you're operating in the unknown, <laughs> how did you respond to the changing environment? Yeah. So I think 
like there's a couple of days after that pandemic where we had zero sale days and that was pretty yeah. heartbreaking to see with all the, the momentum that we sort of had up yeah. leading up to COVID um, yeah. and the pandemic. So, yeah, how we pivoted, I suppose, from that point was um, we really looked at the, our business model and said, oh, there's no weddings, there's no events, but we were fortunate that we sort of bring a couple other products into our range six months prior with uh, men's underwear and socks. And we mm-hmm. thought that these items are more essential type items. Um, yeah. So we sort of changed our focus into creating a sort of current video content to promote our underwear and socks um, and things like, I think we did a video where we did the daily commute. So it was leaving your bedroom and skateboarding down your hallway just with your pair of undies and socks onto your, your desk working from home. <laughs> so we try to keep relevant where we could. Yeah. Um, and def- uh, definitely um, it wasn't an easy transition to be honest, but yes, within like probably two or three months, we started to get some traction and in the lead up to Father's Day, we really um, turned a corner, I suppose, for Father's Day. Yeah, so that's that, fantastic. Um, any other new products that you introduced? Yeah, so we were getting asked by our customers a lot, particularly around the second lockdown where the rules around face masks changed and became mandatory for us mm-hmm. to produce a range of face masks with our designs on it. I think um, our customers were saying that they were a bit sick of wearing disposable masks or uh, masks with no print on it. So yeah. we were a little bit sort of reluctant to sort of go down that that path, especially yeah. at, at the start. We we didn't want to be seen as profiteering from the pandemic, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but the feedback we sort of got leading up into that second lockdown was just too much to ignore. So um, we had my wife's parents sewing face masks for us initially. And I think when we launched them around August, we sold about 300 in 24 hours. So, um, which was great because it was, it was something that we weren't overly confident with, but um, to have, you know, our masks made in Australia and, you know, quick to market and things like that was something we were proud of. So Definitely. It's fantastic. And you continue those masks in your range now. Is that something you're going to keep? Keep yeah, going. so we we went a little bit harder, I suppose, with the face masks. We made them locally to, to start with and then um, we ended up purchasing 3500 from our manufacturer um, overseas. And, um, yeah, we, we ended up going through to about February this year and then we sort of made the decision that we were going to put the face masks on hold and, and concentrate back on some other parts of our business that, we, we could see an uplift in since then, so. That, that sounds sensible. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a good decision. Yeah, it's, that's fantastic decisions given the um, stress of a pandemic that can have on your business and all the changes. You know, it's easy to say in hindsight, of course, you'd order 3,500 masks in August last year, you know, but yeah. actually people, like you said, were thinking it would be over, so. That's right. And I, and like we did, as soon as our face masks sold out, we did get quite a few customers asking us for them again. And then I think, um, was it Brisbane that went into a lockdown? Um, yes. And no one up here had a mask. Yeah. And, and no one had a mask and we had our wholesalers ringing us, please, please, please. And, and we just didn't have any left. And the yeah. time it takes to sort of get them to market, it was just not going to be viable for us. But 
yeah, who knows how long we may or may not need Mars for. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, hindsight will say what a good decision that was or not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, like, how much of a risk? Because what you're doing there is changing your whole business model. Um, like, how much of a risk did you feel or perceive that you were making in your business model changes at the time? Was it quite scary or were you confident uh, or what were you feeling? Yeah, it was definitely scary. Like, um, we probably had a good thing going, I suppose, and we yeah. didn't really want to deviate too much from that. But uh, we didn't really have a choice. Our hand was forced. There was no events, no work, no weddings. So it was definitely a risk. But um, we tried to mitigate those risks, I suppose, where we could. Like we knew that early on in, uh, in March, April, that people weren't in that sort of buying sort of state of mind and understandably yeah. so. So we thought yeah. if we can create um, relevant content and we know that people had a bit more sort of time on their hands that if we can create relevant content that people have the time to consume, hopefully that will sort of, you know, get our name out there for when the market sort of changed and people were ready to buy. So, um, yeah. yeah, I suppose we weren't overly confident with the, the risks we were taking, but yeah. we, we didn't really have a choice and we had to you take some anyway. risks. <laughs> so we did it anyway. Felt the fear and did it anyway. That's, That's right. <laughs> Um, and then in terms of, you know, you would have, you're very good at your marketing. Um, and obviously that was all targeted towards people getting married and all your photography. And I know you talked earlier about making new video content for the daily, uh, commute, but it was a frustrating having to learn and find it, find that new market in terms of your advertising strategy. I, I think initially it was like, we, we spent a lot of time creating relevant content and we didn't get the reward for that content, I suppose, initially. So yeah. um, it did feel like we were kind of banging our head against a brick wall a little bit to start mm-hmm. with. But um, sort of looking back now, it kind of it forced us to learn how to sell some of our products that we probably didn't know how to. Um, yeah. Uh, so when yeah, when we look back at it now, I would say that, you know, the, the wedding business was sort of 70, 80% of our business, but it's probably more like 40% of our business now. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, our, our everyday sort of essential type products have really taken, taken over, which in hindsight has been a good result. That's fantastic. I mean, that's credit to you and your team that's done that. That's absolutely amazing. Oh, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, so in terms of that then that you've set yourself up for a great business because hopefully we're recording this in April 21 so hopefully the wedding market will come back and then your business will be even stronger and better than pre-COVID. Yeah and I mean that, that's what we have seen over the last few months to be honest so oh, um, with Valentine's Day we sold a lot of underwear and socks and jocks and that kind of thing yeah. um, but at the same time we had people that had their wedding planned 18 months ago um, that, you know, couldn't get married last year. So we've had those weddings, but we've also had um, people that already had their wedding planned for this time. So we kind of had a, a double wedding season, which has been Fantastic. good. <laughs> yeah, which makes up for a lot. So. Yeah, I can imagine there's a lot of making up for lots of businesses now. But, yeah, it's amazing that you've been able to change the mix during that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's been the biggest challenge you think that you've faced in the last months? Uh, other than COVID, <laughs> which is an obvious yeah. one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would probably say like we are a growth sort of business at this stage. Yeah. So um, there's three of us in the business. We all 
went full time January last year, so pre pandemic, mm-hmm. which I which uh, wish I had have known that that was going too much. Yeah, well, yeah, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, probably the biggest challenge with a, a growing business is um, for us is like managing our stock purchasing and things like that. And yeah, um, last year, sort of leading up to Father's Day, it was kind of a very scary time, and we we just definitely didn't order enough stock. But mm. we were thinking that Father's Day was going to be still a little bit um, of a tricky period. So uh, it was nice to see that, you know, we we did really well over Father's Day and we sold out of a lot of stock. And yeah. that was really a, a good lesson um, for us to sort of back ourselves in a little bit more um, yeah. and sort of given us a lot more confidence sort of going forward that we, we can continue to grow, I suppose. Mm. I guess for our listeners who don't know, Ollie, is it okay that I mentioned your previous career before? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's, that's fine, yeah. Because I think it's relevant to this conversation. Yeah. You know, because you're balancing being an entrepreneur and just buy as much as you can and almost selling out is almost a failure, but it's not. Yep. But, yeah, you know, you want to make sure you've got enough stock to feed the supply. But then in your accounting background, you're previously an accountant, I would imagine you're making sure that you're being sensible with your cash flow and not taking too many risks that would, you know, bankrupt you or cause cash flow problems in the future. Yeah, I think having two accountants in the business is yeah. out, of, out of three people is definitely <laughs> um, a good thing in a lot of ways, but it, it, we definitely have that risk-averse kind of approach, um, which is which has held us in good stead, to be honest, but um, yeah. probably that that thing of, you know, can we sell as much as we think we can? We're probably yes. always a little bit cautious on that, but yeah. um, having sort of gone through last year with all the ups, ups and downs and being able to come out of it sort of better off has yes. um, give us a lot more confidence that we probably can be a little bit more aggressive than our accounting nature allows us to sometimes. Makes sense. At least, you know, I think it's good. I guess Steph, what's her view on this sort of risk versus you know, um, risk aversion versus being. Um, well, last, last year, <laughs> she's a very creative person. So last year, um, you know, when we had Father's Day and other events, even Christmas and Black Friday, where we were selling out of stock, she's like, when are we not going to sell out of stock? <laughs> was kind of her question back to me. And, um, yes. and that was a fair point. So yeah, we we're trying to sort of build our stock levels up to a reasonable size now that that doesn't happen and if that still yeah. happens and that's a good problem to have i think it's a good problem to have that tension in the business that there's yeah there's both sides equally represented is a really great way to run your business yeah yeah mm. so um in terms of all that hard work you did last year and um all the challenges you faced what's been the uh, or what's been the silver lining of what covid's brought you you sort of hinted before at the um additional new markets you've got yeah, I think um, there's probably a couple of things. One was this time last year, we were thinking about building a new website in 2021. Um, we brought that forward because we had a little bit more time up our sleeve. So we're very thankful that we built our website on Shopify, moving from WordPress, um, which I'm sure a lot of people have had similar uh, challenges. But yeah, yeah that was that, <laughs> yourself included, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think that was one of the blessings, having the time to actually work on um, bigger projects like that. So, yeah. yeah, to get that sorted and see the real benefits of that when things have picked up 
that has definitely been a silver lining. And then uh, also last year, we sort of, like I was saying earlier about having a market for socks and jocks has been a, a positive one. And then also for Father's Day and, and Christmas as well, we collaborated with a lot of other small businesses, which has really helped sort of get our name out there, but also supporting those businesses as well. That's fantastic. Do you think he would have done that outside, you know, if you had the wedding? No, no definitely not. Like we were so wedding focused that what probably what we didn't, really understand that our product is also a gifting product yes. um, and lends itself to that. So um, with a lot of events like Father's Day and Christmas last year with people not being able to see some of their family in person, um, we definitely saw a massive uplift in that that gifting side of things and people being able to buy things online and get it delivered straight to their, their dad or their brother or whatever. We, we definitely saw that. Fantastic. Um, that's what I do like about your brand. You're always forward thinking and <laughs> adapting. Um, very, very positive way. Yeah, you do a great job. Oh, thanks. Um, so what's next for Peggy and Finn then? Yeah, so we're just finalising a new range of designs actually. So we've been working with an Aboriginal artist um, using her designs and our products, which we're launching uh, to coincide with NAIDOC week in July. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as non-Indigenous Australians ourselves who are really keen on supporting Indigenous artists and planning to give back as part of as part of this range as well, give back to the Aboriginal community for every item that we sell. Um, so, it, yeah, it's something a little bit different for us, but it's something we're yeah. really excited about. And we were going to launch this this time last year, but we didn't think the timing was ideal. So, um, yeah, we're really excited to see how it goes and we're actually making – um, our tyres, our pocket squares and bow tyres in Australia as part of that range as well. So Fantastic. it would be really, really a lot of feedback we've had is around that Australian-made product. So it's yep. something that we are taking into account and, yeah, really keen to see how that goes as well. Fantastic. I know a lot of our listeners will care a lot about that, so that's really great to hear yep. um, that you're doing that. Wonderful. And, well, we can't wait to see all these fabulous new designs and products. What products are you putting this design on? Uh, so we'll go across all our range. So um, our underwear, men's and women's socks, tires, pocket square, bow tires, um, and there's three three designs as well that we're doing. So uh, that are, are quite different. So I think um, it would be yeah really interesting to see how they go. So we're pretty excited about releasing those soon. Fantastic! Sounds yeah. great. Yeah, and probably, you also yep. sorry. Yeah, probably the other thing um, that we're working on as well, like. I think this time last year we were focusing on becoming a more sustainable business Um, and then with COVID it really sort of hit a dint in our plan. So for us like 2020 was about being a survivable business and now that we have survived 2021 as being about a more sustainable business. So there's a lot of things that we're working on uh, on that side of things as well, which is exciting. Fantastic. Can you give us a little hint at what they might be? Yeah, so one of the things that we're working on is to become a carbon neutral business. So we're currently undertaking the assessment of our carbon emissions and our plan is to reduce our emissions where we can and then offset our emissions so we can become carbon neutral. So we're really excited about that. Fantastic. And we're also uh, working on a strategy as well to give back financially to our community. So that's something that we're working on, which we're really passionate about as well now that we have survived, that we can have the opportunity to give back where we can. That's wonderful. Fantastic. 
Um, so thanks so much, Ollie, for all your insight there. You've got a fantastic story how you didn't just survive but obviously thrived during COVID um, and not without some risk and trepidation, you know, <laughs> and some <Yeah>. big decisions <laughs> on your on all your behalfs at Peggy and Finn. Um, where can our listeners find out more about you and about Peggy and Finn? Yeah, no worries. So we have our online store, so uh, peggyandfin.com.au. Uh, we also have 120 stockists around Australia now, small independent retailers. Um, and yeah, also if you jump onto our social channels, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and we actually just started a TikTok account last week. So oh, great. Well done. Jump, jump on there <laughs> when you get a chance. And you, your handles are just Peggy and Finn? They're all... Yeah, they're all Peggy and Finn, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Ollie. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Alicia. That concludes today's episode with Oliver Parsons of Peggy and Finn. Thanks, Ollie. Such a pleasure having you on the show. I hope you enjoyed his story. If you'd like to learn more or are thinking you need an Australian tie with a difference for your next wedding or event, or maybe some quality bamboo socks and jocks, check out our show notes on our website that have all the links you need. Just go to istillcallaustraliahome.com and navigate to the podcast section in the main menu bar. You may also want to like and subscribe to the I Still Call Australia Home podcast to hear more inspiring stories of Australian makers that you'll love. Until next time, happy travelling.